What LDL pattern do you have? How does insulin affect pattern B? Welcome to Be Fab, Be You Made Simple, your daily dose of inspiration designed to help you reinvent yourself by optimizing your body and mind. I am Maria Horstman, a health editor and coach, a fitness trainer, a speaker, and an entrepreneur founder of BeFabBeYou.com. Our episodes are short and will bring you valuable content and practical nuggets for optimal health and fitness that you can implement ASAP. Let's get you to feel fabulous every day. Are you ready? Check out the show notes to one, schedule a free call with me to discuss a plan to take your health to the next level. Two, submit a question to be featured in our Ask Me Anything episodes on Sundays. Connect with me on social media and much more. Hit the subscribe button. And if you like what you hear, share with your friends and leave it a rating. pattern do you have? How does insulin affect pattern B? Well, well, these might kind of be weird and strange concepts, patterns. I, I know you know what LDL is, but I bet you might not know what pattern B is. We're going to talk all about that. Hello, beautiful. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to the BFAB You Made Simple podcast. I am your host, Maria Horstman. I'm also the founder of BFABU.com. Go and check it out. So during this metabolic health series, we discussed what metabolic health is, the key biomarkers of metabolic health. So you want to use them to measure your health instead of using that weight and that scale all the time. Let's use a matrix, you know, that um, impact us the most. How about that? And also we talked about, you know, uh, some of the important terminologies such as blood glucose, insulin, insulin resistance, what do they mean and all that stuff. And also we talked about how insulin and insulin resistance impact these biomarkers of uh, health. So there is more to talk. We're wrapping up uh, this today and we have lots to, to share here. Uh, and by the way, if at any point you feel ready to have a wellness coach by your side to educate you, guide you, hold you accountable and personalize a plan for you so you get the results you've been longing for, Yep, book call of Maria here at bfabu.com. Um, that's a pretty easy and free step to get started, which I really encourage you to take advantage of. Why not? Now, if you really don't give a crap about it, uh, then don't don't schedule that call because I'm ready to rock and roll. You know, I'm passionate about empowering stressed out and carbon sugar lovers to optimize their weight and health so they can rediscover happiness, vitality, and lead a fulfilling life, maybe in a way they never thought was possible. So let's get back to today's episode here, okay? So we're going to continue the saga and we'll wrap up this discussion uh, about how insulin and insulin resistance impact 
metabolic uh, biomarkers. And the last two that we got to talk is about uric acid and LDL cholesterol, which uh, is might not be as bad as you think. I mean, the LDL cholesterol. You know, we always call it the bad cholesterol. Poor little guy. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff about it. So let me just say that we need cholesterol. It is involved in key functions in the body. Okay. You must understand this. You must accept this. Okay. And um, if you're new to the show, all right, uh, or if you need a refresher, I would like a refresher, check out the previous three, four episodes. Okay. When I start talking about metabolic health. And um, by the way, um, I know these uh, episodes have been longer lately because I've been doing kind of once a week. Let me share a little trick that I use when I listen to uh, to most content, actually. I actually change the speed to 1.25 or 1.5, really de- depends on the speaker. So I can knock it out a lot faster. And sometimes what I do is I stop, I go back, you know, and I listen to it again. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast on your phone, it's an easy thing to do, you know, just spit it up and kind of go back, go back a few seconds and so on. So feel free to use my own trick here to my own podcast. Okay. Um, and also I got one more question before we got uh, down to the, to the content here. Um, have you carried bags of ice before? I'm pretty sure you have. Okay. If you have not, good Lord, what life you live. I want some of that. But yeah, maybe you had to carry many bags of ice back and forth, an event or something. Well, I have a great story to share with you. Uh, So stay tuned over here because you might look at ice bags differently going forward. So stay tuned to the end and I'll share more on that. Today, I want to invite you to stop thinking of LDL as a bad lipid. Cholesterol is made by the liver, right? Remember that, made mostly by the liver. And it's an essential for making cell membranes and the cell structure. So we need cholesterol. Cholesterol is also a precursor of steroid hormones like your testosterone, progesterone, pregnenolone, and estrogen, and DHA, and things like that. Also is a precursor for bile acids, which we talked about before, and vitamin D. All these things are important, and we need our cholesterol, okay? So, uh, and since LDL makes up about 60 to 70% of total cholesterol in the body, I invite you to love it, respect it, and keep it under control so it does its job well, okay? That's what you got to think about it. Protect it, love it. It is your body. And unfortunately, LDL has been, you know, used to predict heart disease and the news and even the doctors portray LDL as the villain all the time. It is just not freaking fair. And it's incomplete story. And um, what's not discussed enough or rarely discussed at all, period, let's say it, it's that LDL particles are not 
all created equal. Yes, there is a thing called LDL particles. We discussed previously that figuring out the LDL pattern or particles is of essence here, especially if you see your LDL creeping up for a while. Okay. And so that's why we don't want to do this, you know, go to the doctor once in a lifetime over here, once every five years or whatever. We need to see the trend of how your body's doing. Okay. And it's not only in the LDL, we want to see that in, in everything else, all the biomarkers. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, if you see your LDL creeping up or you have uh, high cholesterol levels that run in your family, there's no excuse here, okay? Oh, run to my family. I'm going to have it. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. Or maybe you've been diagnosed with uh, familial hypercholesterolemia or FH. Wow, I can't, I'm impressed that I was able to, to say that word. <laughs> anyway, either way, I encourage you to do not leave the doctor's office, okay, without knowing your LDL particles and pattern. Is it a pattern A, A of an apple, which is larger and fluffier, or is it a pattern B, which is smaller and denser? We do not want the pattern B, okay? This is smaller and denser guy has become a much better predictor of heart disease. So don't let anybody fool you just because you have maybe higher levels of cholesterol, you know, above the 200. I'm not talking about insane numbers and higher levels of LDL that you, oh my God, I got to put your medication. Hey, I'm not here to treat or diagnose or anything like that. I just want to, for you to know that there's better ways for you to dig a little deeper over here and understand your body a little well, a little better, because that's what I've done too anyway. So, you know, and if you do have the pattern B, which is smaller and denser here, it is time for you to put the big girl's pants over here and get some work done. Your lifestyle needs an overhaul and it's time, my friend, for you to change if you're going to fall into that trap of disease and things like that. Okay, so um, I, I, I want you to understand this. Now, you might be asking, well, I mean, uh, you're trying to prove that insulin, Maria, is involved with this stuff. So, yep, yep, yep. It's time to discuss that. So, how does insulin and insulin resistance impact LDL cholesterol and the LDL pattern B, the one that we don't want it? Good Lord. I didn't think that you're going to ask that question. I'm glad you are. You're so into this today, aren't you? So... We know that sustaining high levels of insulin will likely cause insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is responsible for many, 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 many metabolic dysfunction. Okay. And it's a great contributor to cardiovascular disease. Most of cholesterol is made in the liver, as we mentioned. And uh, insulin loves to boss the liver around. Actually, insulin likes to boss everybody, okay? Every little cell with something. It's got something to say. So we want to keep this insulin really under control. Tight leash over here. So um, here's the th sad thing. 
Insulin resistance can alter systemic lipid metabolism and drive the production of LDL pattern B from the liver. Boom. That's what you get, my friend. You don't want any of that. Okay. You don't want any of that. Now, let me tell you a little personal story here. So it was uh, in 2013, I was still in corporate, um, but, you know, I had already started my learning journey of my my health transformation. And I was learning a lot. I was sucking all kinds of information. And um, that's when I actually started learning uh, about, uh, you know, uh, you know, lipids uh, a little bit more and how the body works. And I was getting into a more comprehensive aspect of uh, of the body. And uh, I remember (laughs) going to my doctor and asking for this test, this test that looks into the LDL particles or my cholesterol particles, because other particles come also, you know, it's not only LDL, HDL, VADL, and all that kind of stuff. And um, uh, he asked me why I wanted it, followed by my recommendations will not change. <laughs> and let me tell you what he was saying from my perspective uh, was because in April uh, of that year, um, you know, when I first went, when I mentioning this, I went back. Oh, that was December of 2013. And but in April, I had gone and done my labs. And um, my total cholesterol was 210 and my LDL was 144. So based on general standard, these both markers are high. And at the time, my doctor suggested uh, that for us to keep an eye on it. And if continue to creep up, to increase, medication could be a good idea. I thought to myself, no freaking way I'm doing any freaking medications. You know, I didn't tell him that. (laughs) Um, And I also thought, you know, I want to let this family history of cardiovascular disease here to take over my health. I knew that much. I was already invested enough in learning to to be smart about that. But anyway, so between, you know, March, uh, April and December, that's when I learned about the LDL particles and the patterns. And um, I, I asked him to run that. And uh, so he did. He did, you know, and, and that list uh, that of uh, uh, markers that I asked him to run, it was an expanded lipid profile like I mentioned, with the LDL patterns and stuff. But also I had discovered about CRP, homocysteine, insulin, and a few other markers that he had never run for me. And I'm like, no, I need to understand what kind of level of inflammation my body's at. And, you know, so I can take charge. So, like I said, when I asked him and I showed him that list and all that, and he's like, you know, my, my result, my, my recommendations will not change. It's because he was thinking of, oh, I recommended you back in April that I was not going to put your medication unless things were going to change drastically. You know, um, it, it didn't matter to me. You know, I was actually somewhat quick to remind him that I was not, you know, interested on in the medication as a patient. Um, and, uh, 
I also wanted to know my numbers because I, I was learning about all this stuff. I told him, I remember, and I wanted to take charge of my body so I could decide whether I should pay real attention to this cholesterol numbers or I kind of, kind of, you know, not worry too much about it just because they're slightly elevated. Or maybe the numbers would come ugly and um, I would have to make some drastic change to my diet going forward. And I had made some small changes at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe I needed to make some more. Well, I, mean, I said all that kind of stuff. I remember, you know, he's a nice doctor and all that, but he just looked at me, said, okay, and he smiled. <laughs> so a few days later, I got his email with the results. And uh, yes, good to my loving uh, cholesterol over here. I had the large, puffy bio, uh, bio, uh pattern ALDL. And uh, so I was very happy about that. So I know I said to myself, well, you know, I, I don't care that I have 210. I'm actually not too concerned about this 144 because I remember at the time I was eating a lot of saturated fats from coconut and things like that. You know, and I says, I don't have to worry about this. I'm, I'm my, you know, my particles are healthy. They're good. They're large. They're buoyant and they're puffy and I'm good. Now, side note for you, my friend, patterns can change over time. <laughs> yes, they can. And it's, uh, you know, your diet and your lifestyle determines that, that change. And let me tell you, I'm also a living proof of that and more on that when I talked in the future about lipoprotein A or little PA, that's what we call it. Now, let's talk about the last metabolic health biomarker in this series, uric acid, and the role insulin resistance plays in elevated numbers of uric acid. So as discussed previously, uric acid plays an important role as an antioxidant. However, elevated levels of uric acid often by overproduction of uric acid due to the diets heavy in fructose and also high in foods such as alcohol, red meats, and uh, seafood are associated with metabolic syndrome, inflammation, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and more. Yes, it's a plethora of stuff, right? So we want to keep this uric acid over here in line. And that's important that we check on that when we kind of do our labs. But let me laser, let's laser focus here on the inflammatory part of it. And it's a common inflammatory disease caused by elevated uric acid. Uh, and that is gout. Uh, I'm pretty sure you've heard of, maybe you have friends and family, or maybe you have gout. Well, it affects the joints, especially the wrists, the fingers, ankles, and feet. This is not fun for whoever has it. And thankfully, I haven't suffered from it, and I hope I'll never will. And um, so that's how insulin impacts that. By now, you might not be asking, okay, what does uh, insulin have to do or insulin resistance has to do with gout and disinflammation? Well, 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 um, insulin resistance interferes with the normal secretion process of which the kidney 
should secrete uric acid into the urine and for elimination. So we peed that out. Well, when a person has insulin resistance, the kidneys accumulate uric acid, which builds up in the body and stick around the joints. So we don't want that. So that process, you know, that accumulation uh, in the joints starts an inflammatory reaction that is typical of gout. So in summary, the clearance of uric acid gets reduced with an increase on, of insulin and insulin resistance. So I hope that kind of makes it clear over here that having high levels of insulin and insulin resistance is not something that you want. And we're going to discuss more about what things you can do to prevent this. So yeah, I'm full of stories today. And um, so I wanna wrap up today uh, by telling you this story because it's one of those that I believe that is very applicable to our daily lives. And you might look at ice bags a little differently going forward. So recently an acquaintance of mine uh, volunteered at a local event and uh, shared a picture on social media. And once I saw that, that post and that picture, my mind went to work uh, and not in a judgmental way. It's just, you know, just maybe you can resonate if you're a teacher, a coach, a trainer or something, consultant, you know, always looking into solution driven kind of aspects of life. You might find yourself, you know, immediately going to, to that kind of space, I want to say. So uh, I want to share this little mind trip <laughs> that mine went to. So I want you to imagine an American woman between 48 and 51 years old and with an average body composition. And I say average, average uh, uh, female in the United States at that age. So this woman is wearing shorts and a T-shirt on a sunny day outside and she has this pretty smile. She's, she's happy to be doing what she's doing. And she's also happy to be around the people she's at. You can just see that in her picture. And uh, she is hugging a large ice bag. I mean, you know, with two hands wrapped around that bag so that thing doesn't slip. So her post with her picture said, my intimate relationship with a 22-pound ice bag. It was a real thing this weekend. And that's where my mind went. Do, 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 do. It started wandering. So I had a few questions immediately that popped up and says, okay, did she carry one bag at the time? Just like in that picture. Uh, how many trips did she make, you know, throughout the day? And how far did she had to, to walk holding that, uh, that one bag? And, <laughs> you know, so you might wondering, why am I asking these things? You know, well, like I said, things pop into my head. And, you know, in one way, as, as a coach and trainer, is like, I just, you know, it, this is not judging, like I said, but as I, I look into what I'm doing, the activities that I'm doing, and I'm in the best posture. How is my back? How is my shoulder? How is my this, you know? And when I see people doing physical activities like that, and especially in that picture that her back is curved a little bit, she's holding that. But again, you know, she's outside, maybe be a little, you know, uh, posing for a picture. You know, I don't know anything more than that. I'm just saying. So I'm just going with that 
boom, 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 those questions, right? How far did she have to walk? How many trips did she make? And she carry one, did she carry one bag at a time, which was likely the case. This is where, my friend, you gotta love farmer's carry walk. By the way, that's an ex exercise. Yes, it is called farmer's walk, farmer's carry. Uh, you can Google that. But one version of the farmer's carry is you walk, you know, um, anything between 25, 50 to 100 meters or so while you hold heavy dumbbells or kettlebells or anything heavy in your hands, you know, so drive by your side. And like I said, there's multiple ways to do a farmer's walk. But it's a very simple exercise that strengthens many muscles, including your triceps, your shoulders, your biceps, your core, your lower body, because you're carrying some extra weight, right? Your forearm, forearms, I'm sorry, and the grip, you know, uh, which is essential for performing basic yet important activities such as lifting or carrying heavy stuff around, you know, especially as a wage. And what is a farmer's carry? Hey, if you're carrying your bags, you know, from the supermarket, the grocery, you know, or even an ice bag that you buy it, that's a farmer's carry. So you want to carry those bags, you know, to be efficient carrying them so you can carry more weight and you have to have the strength of the grip. And if you're using the right muscles, man, you can carry quite a bit of weight. So... By the way, there is actually studies that have recommended grip strength as a useful indicator of overall health. Can you believe that? Yeah, it is true. And I put links on to the transcript of this episode so you can take a look at that study. So, um, look, if you're going to do farmer's carry, which I definitely recommend you add that to your workouts and your routine, you, you're starting, you know, uh, weight is going to be different. Right. Depends where you are. If you walk today only and you carry nothing, if you do any, if you don't do any resistance training, well, you, you know, you're going to start light. Now, if you do resistance training two or three times a week and you often challenge your muscles, grab a 25 pound dumbbell or kettlebell in each hand and walk for 50 and 100 meters or for maybe 30 to 60 seconds. And you will definitely feel it. Okay, you might be cussing out a few bad words out there, too, you know, and especially if it's a sunny day and you start sweating and you feel that grip. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So if you say, you know, what, Maria, I don't have dumbbells. I don't have kettlebells. You know what? Mm, yeah, no excuses. Okay, grab whatever, whatever heavy you have around the house. And if you say, well, I don't have two of those things, you know, stop the excuses. Grab one of those things that is heavy. Hey, you can even get, get uh, you know, one of those gallons, empty it out, whatever you had inside. Hopefully it wasn't milk, you know, a little mostly inflammatory. But anyway, <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> you know, put some sand on that gallon, you know, and walk with that. So, you know, yeah, you can walk with one at a time. You strengthen one at a time. That's fine. You know, you can actually, actually uh, do this. You can grab something light overhead. So one hand, let's say the left arm, you're going to hold something light all the way, stretch those, that one arm, left arm all the way up. And you walk with that arm up, carrying something light and then the heavy on the right. Okay. That's, uh, that's something that you can do. Right. So 
how does um, farmers carry <laughs> uh, could help, you know, do this, this woman or could have helped uh, this woman or any way of us carry anything? Well, there are three basic benefits in that specific situation, right? Talking about the ice over here in carrying that ice. Well, she could have carried two bags of ice, one in each hand at once. So then she would do what? She will accomplish a task faster and she could use the extra time to knock something else out out of the task. Or, you know, if there's nothing else to do in that volunteering event, you know, she could relax, you know, or even enjoy more of the event. I don't know. But that is the efficiency. If you have that strength built in, two bags. Also, she could have then reduced the risk of back discomfort since, um, you know, when we're kind of be walking and, and holding uh, with two hands, you know, wrapping that uh, big bag, your back is not going to be straight. Your posture is not going to be the best. So there is a possibility here that you're going to be curving that back, you know, in order to hold that uh, tight bag. So posture here might be something, you know, that is a problem that could be a problem. And also, if she were to carry these two bags, you know, in one, you know, with the two hands and one in each hand, she would actually be practicing some strength training, you know, by using her triceps correctly and all these other muscles that I mentioned. So it would keep her posture good, too, because a good farmer's carry is going to really push your shoulders back and you're going to feel your triceps and all these other muscles. So, you know, there are variations of the farmer's carry. Now, the beauty of it is that, you know, it is awesome because it is simple and you can do in multiple ways. You can add to workout routines. You can do this as warm-ups or even at the end. I actually like to add in the end, like what I call a cash out which is simply means, you know, you just basically done your routine, you're, you're kind of done with your workout, whatever the length is, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is. And you put like a, a few uh, sets of uh, one or two movements, that's called a cash out, or maybe you go for a run or something like that. So you could do as a cash out, you know, at the end. So um, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I just want to say this, you know, Please understand, I'm not judging her, not at all. I, I haven't talked to her in quite some time, actually. And um, she will probably never know I, I'm, I'm talking, you know, relating to her in this podcast. And I haven't mentioned name anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, my point of sharing this story is that as a coach and trainer, my mind and ears are very attentive to possible ways we can do activities we enjoy you know, uh, and, and do life better, more efficiently, more productive and healthier. So we can do those things, you know, for as long as we shall live. And, um, and with the least amount of discomfort in, as possible. And that goes not only for physical activities, that goes for our mindset, that goes to every aspect of our body. And um, so it doesn't matter if you're volunteering <laughs> to an event or, you know, getting paid for it. Maybe you're playing with animals, children, 
grand grandchildren, friends, playing a sport, enjoying nature by walking, jogging on the park or the beach or going for a hike, going grocery shopping, doing activities inside or outside. You know, maybe you're pressure washing your driveway like I was this this weekend or washing your car, uh, cutting the grass, uh, you know, cleaning the house, uh, climbing the ladder up and down, you know, to change a light or paint. I don't know. Gosh, you name it. I hope you get the idea over here. Okay. Strength training is part of it. Strength training will make your body stronger. So it's not about building maybe that muscles and have the muscle definition. Uh, it's about being stronger. And when you get your body physically stronger, you're going to be stronger mentally as well, emotionally as well. And you know, if you work out regularly and you're not just doing your cardiovascular walk and, and maybe running uh, or whatever, Stairmaster, you know, if you actually push harder and you push and you challenge your body, I believe you understand what I'm talking about. And if you don't understand, I encourage you to understand it because it is so good for you today and for the rest of your life. So be intentional with your movement routines. So it includes strength and resistance, flexibility, aerobic and aerobic exercises to support what? Your life. So it's even more special because you are supporting your well-being and, and, and hey, you're being a catalyst to children, to others around you too. Um, so the earlier you start, the longer you will feel energized and healthier, okay? So go at it because I believe in you and you can do this. listening to the Be Fab Be You Made Simple podcast. Can you do me a favor? If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and leave it a rating. It helps the podcast and I really appreciate it. If you're wondering where to start, head over to my website linked in the show notes to sign up to receive encouragement tips and strategies to maximize results. While you're there, download a free health guide to get you started today. If you're looking for a coach and trainer to help you optimize your weight, body, and health, get on my calendar. Let's discuss your goals, establish a custom plan, implement it, and celebrate your results. Together, we can do this. Find a link to schedule a free energy audit strategy session also in the show notes. Connect with me on social media. I would love, love, love for you to let me know that you're listening to the show. Also, see the show notes for the links. In addition to a qualified healthcare practitioner, it's important that you have someone in your corner who is in for you and will help you to plan and stay on track implementing your goals. Are you ready? Let's rock and roll this boat. I will see you on the next episode of Be Fab, Be You Made Simple. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for healthcare by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Music